It is great to see you. Great to be back. Thank you for your prayers during my travels. Um, I have been praying for you. Excited about what uh, God has done and during this time that I've been away, not only in my life, but in the life of the church. Especially excited to see this video today at the conclusion of our time here this morning as we enter into business conference. We're going to have the joy of licensing Lori uh, officially uh, to the ministry and this ministry of chaplaincy with the Greenville County uh, Sheriff's Office. So very, very excited about that. I want to uh, ask you a question this morning as we get started. Are you comfortable taking risks? Do you regularly leap into the unknown? Are you comfortable walking a very thin line? Do you like being pushed to the ragged edge of life? I hope you do. Because this is the key, God's Word says, to seeing God do great things in your life. It is the key to seeing God do great things through His church. I read a quote this week that I want to share with you. I want you to listen to it, and then I'll tell you who said it. Here's the quote. Security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do men as a whole experiencing it. experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. The fearful are caught as often as the bold. Life is either a daring adventure or it is nothing. Now let me tell you who said that. A woman by the name of Helen Keller. This woman who was unable to see, unable to hear, unable to speak, overcame those seemingly insurmountable obstacles and became a prolific author, graduated from college, inspired millions. Helen Keller said, if you don't take risks in life, you achieve nothing. And you know what? The Word of God says exactly the same thing. An integral, an inseparable part of following the Lord Jesus Christ is having an attitude and a mindset that is willing to take risk, willing to move beyond the boundaries of a comfortable and conventional Christianity and being willing to risk all that we have and risk all that we are for the sake of what God wants to do in our lives, for the sake of what God wants to do in our church, for the sake of what God wants to do in our world. Have we got a picture we're going to put up here? Did I, did, I, did I send you guys? Did we get that picture? Maybe not. There we go. All right. I want to make this kind of analogy. 
I want to compare the Christian life to a trapeze act. All right, now hang with me. If you want to be a trapeze artist, the first thing you, you've got to learn to do is, is, is swing on this bar, right? Now, listen, you can look really good swinging on that bar. Doesn't she look good? You can have a really tight grip on that bar. She looks like she's latched onto that pretty good. And she can swing back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and look really good doing that. But who wants to watch somebody just swing back and forth on a bar? If you go to a circus and you go to watch the trapeze act and that's all you see, that's going to be pretty boring, right? Anybody can do that. Hey, I can do that. Most of you could do that. You could. Most of you could do that. But listen, there comes a time in that trapeze act where you have to be willing to let go of your bar and do what? Next slide. Right? you got to be willing to let go of your bar and reach out for the next bar. There comes a time, if you want to be successful at this, that's what you've got to do. And God's Word tells us in the same way, there comes a time when as followers of Christ, we got to be willing to let go of our safe perches. A lot of us are just swinging back and forth, back and forth. Same thing every day, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. At some point, we've got to be willing to let go of that safety, let go of that comfort, let go of that security, and reach out for the hand of God and allow Him to do all that He wants to do in us. Now, this truth literally shouts at us from the text we're going to look at together this morning found in Matthew chapter 5, commonly known as the parable of the talents. Now, this is a familiar parable of Jesus, but it is one I am convinced that we have greatly misunderstood. The common interpretation of this parable goes something like this. God has given every one of us certain gifts, abilities, resources, talents, and we need to use them or we'll what? Lose them. Now, that may well be true, but that is not the message of this parable. This is a story about taking risks. It means nothing less than this. If you claim to be a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, then that means walking with God on the ragged edge of risk. So I want us to look at this story this morning and see what we can learn together. Several lessons. Here's the first one. 
Jesus always gives his greatest blessings to those who are willing to take risks for the sake of his kingdom. Jesus always gives his greatest blessings to those who are willing to take risks for the sake of his kingdom. Now, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus has been talking about the kingdom. And it is the kingdom that he has in mind when he says this, beginning with verse 14. Look at these verses with me. For the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, will be like this. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability, then he went away. You know the story. A master of a large estate is called away from his affairs for an extended period of time. Now, while he's away, he wants to make sure that his estate prospers. He wants to make sure that it continues to grow. He wants to make sure its welfare is secure. So what he does is he calls in his three servants and he entrusts to them the welfare of his estate by turning over to them his assets in the form of gold talents. Now, a talent was a Jewish unit of measurement. In New Testament times, a talent of gold weighed somewhere around 93 pounds. At today's value, one talent of gold would be almost $2 million. That means that the combined wealth that this man entrusted to his servants was a staggering $16 million. I agree with Bible scholars who say that this man literally entrusted everything that he had to his servants so that they could manage it while he was away. So, what did the servants do? Well, we read the verses here in verses 16 through 18. Look at that. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But what about the third servant? The third servant could not bring himself to act. We read, the one who had received the one talent went, dug in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Here he was with an amount of money, more than he could have earned in a hundred lifetimes. And he decided he could not afford to risk it. He decided he better play it safe. So what did he do? He went out and he buried that talent in the ground. Now, on the surface, really doesn't sound like what he did was so bad, does it? He didn't spend the money. He didn't lose the money. In fact, 
Many people in that day would have commended this servant and said that he actually did a wise and a prudent thing by ensuring that his master's money would still be there when he returned. You see, the rabbis of Jesus' day told a story also that was very similar to the story that Jesus told but with significantly different results. The rabbi's story went like this. One day a man went on a journey, but before he left, he divided his wealth between his two servants. One servant took the money and invested it in some kind of commodities exchange, and he lost every penny. The other servant held on to his share, and did nothing with it at all. When the master returned to settle accounts with his servants, he rewarded the servant who had held on to his share. But the servant who had risked his share and lost it was executed. Wow. (laughs) Big difference between Jesus' story, right? And the story of the rabbis of that day. What was Jesus doing when he told his story? He's doing what he's always doing. He is shaking up the conventional wisdom. He's overturning the popular thought. He's stirring up the comfortable mindset. You see, by the time Matthew recorded these stories of Jesus in his gospel. Church history tells us that those early Christians had begun to settle down. They had begun to get comfortable and they had begun to live quiet, conventional, predictable sorts of lives while they waited for Jesus to return. So Jesus tells this story to totally rip apart that kind of thinking. And he lets them in on a secret, the same secret that you and I need to hear today. I cannot be a disciple of Jesus if I am committed to a policy of playing it safe. I cannot follow Jesus if I'm tied down to the conventional and the predictable. Jesus says the followers I'm looking for are those people who are not afraid to risk all that they are and all that they have for the sake of my kingdom. I got to tell you, church, I, I, I read something like this and I cannot help but wonder how Jesus feels when he looks at his people and his church today, surely we must be the least likely candidates for taking any kind of risk at all. Think about it. When the world is asked to point out the people or to point out an organization, people who are risk takers, who do they point to? They point to the entrepreneur who is building the big real estate development or they point to the Wall Street investor 
who's always outperforming the stock market, or they point to the daredevil who's always pushing the limits with some death-defying act of athletic prowess. But could we be honest this morning? How often do people point to the church of Jesus Christ and say, would you look at those people? Would you look at what they're risking for their faith? Would you look at how they're putting themselves on the line for what they believe in? I'm going to tell you something this morning. I've just spent quite a bit of time in Southeast Asia in a communist context, having the opportunity to rub shoulders with believers, most of them 30 years of age or younger, who every single day understand the risk of committing themselves fully, finally, and forever to the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet they do it day in and day out, letting go of their safe purchase, reaching out for the hand of God because they believe there's something significant he wants to do in their lives and with their lives. And I've got to ask you this morning, even as I ask myself, would you be willing to become a risk taker for Jesus Christ? I'm asking you that as an individual. And I'm asking you that as a church. Are you willing to defy the conventional wisdom of the day, to fly in the face of the comfortable and the predictable and the way that you've always done it before? And would you be willing to say, God, whatever you want to do, whatever it is you want me to do, whatever it is you want us to do, we'll do it. We'll risk all that we are. We'll risk all that we have for the sake of what you want to do in our lives and in our church and in the world. Let me tell you, that's what God blesses. That's what He rewards. We see that very clearly in verses 21 and again in verse... The master of the estate says the same thing to these first two servants. Look at it with me. He says, well done, good, faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. You are willing to take a risk for me. You were willing to let go of your security and your comfort and the predictable kind of life you've been living for me, and I will reward you well done. There is much joy ahead for you. That's what God's looking for today. It's what He's looking for from you. It's what He's looking for from me. It's what He's looking for from us. His greatest blessings are always reserved for those who are willing to take the greatest risks for Him.
Now let me share a second thing with you. And that is this. Unwillingness to take risks for Jesus demonstrates a major failure in the life of a disciple. This is what I'm afraid many of us have not understood. When it comes to our walk with God, playing it safe is not okay. Doing it the way we've always done it is not okay. Sitting in our safe perches, wanting comfort above all else, is not okay. It is a major failure. And if you doubt that, I want you to look at this dialogue between the master and this third servant. It's in verses 24 through 30. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master answered him, You wicked, slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers at my coming. I should have received at least what was my own with interest. So now take the talent from him and give it to to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why in the world was the master so harsh with this servant who didn't do anything but just simply hang on to what he had, who just simply kept on doing what he had always done, why was the master so harsh? And why is he so harsh today when our greatest desire is to play it safe? Well, why is unwillingness to risk such a major failure that brings such disastrous consequences. Three reasons. I want to try to look at them with you very quickly this morning. Number one, God's Word tells me that when I'm unwilling to take risks for Jesus, it shows that I do not know His heart. I do not know His heart. Look at at what this third servant said to his master in verses 24 and 25. He said, Master, I knew you to be a what? Hard man. So I was afraid. You're a hard man. You make it tough on us. You're unreasonable. You expect a harvest where you haven't planted any seeds and you expect too much from us. You ask too much from us. See, the servant thought his master was harsh. The servant thought his master was unreasonable. But nothing could have been farther from the truth. This master was gracious. He was incredibly generous with his resources. He entrusted everything he had to these servants. 
He lavished those things upon them. Yes, he had great expectations of them. But that was because he wanted great things for them. He was a master who at the end of the day was eager to reward his servants who had been faithful. He didn't ask them to take risks because he wanted to punish them. He didn't ask them to take risks because he wanted to to take something away from them. He asked them to take risks so that they might succeed and excel and be rewarded for their faithfulness. Isn't that what he said to the two servants who took the risk? Isn't that what he said? Well done. Great job. You've been faithful here. Wait till I show you what's next. That's the kind of man the master was. That's the heart of God. Let me tell you, when he asks you to risk something, it's not because he wants to punish you. It's not because he's wanting to take something away from you. It's not because he's wanting to change everything in your life or in your church. Not because he wants to make you struggle. Church, he asks you to take risks because he wants to bless you. Do you understand that? He wants to reward you for your faithfulness. I want to tell you something this morning. You will never risk anything for God if you don't learn this secret. Here it is. You ready? God is for me. Did you know that? God is for me. He is for you. He's a master who at the end of the day wants to reward you for your faithfulness. He's not against you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to trip you up. He's not trying to make your life miserable. He's trying to bless you. So if if you're not willing to take risks for him, you know what it shows? It shows you really don't know his heart. You don't know at all what's in his heart. If you just want to hang on to what you got, hang on to the way you've done it before, hang on to the way it's always been, safe, predictable, sitting on your perch, never letting go, never reaching out for the hand of God. When I'm unwilling to take risks for Jesus, it is a failure of major proportion because it shows I do not know his heart. Secondly, when I'm unwilling to take risks for Jesus, it shows that I do not share his passion. (laughs) Shows I don't share his passion. Can I tell you this morning that our God is a passionate God. He is passionate about His kingdom. He is passionate about His work. He is passionate about what He wants to do in your life and in this church and in the world. And when you're passionate, I'm going to tell you, when you're passionate, you expect those who link up with you to share that passion. And so you do not take excuses lightly. And the reaction of the master in this parable illustrates his passion by the strong language that he uses. Look again at at what he said to this third servant in verse 26. You wicked, slothful, 
servant. That word wicked literally means evil. It's a word used elsewhere in Scripture to refer to Satan himself. Strong word. That word lazy or slothful paints the picture of someone who has absolutely squandered his or her potential. But I want to tell you what the really frightening word is in this verse. It's found in verse 30. Look at that. It says, and cast this worthless servant into the outer darkness. That word worthless means empty. It means of no account. It means useless. It conveys the idea that this man had become a gap, a blank space, a zero. His life is pronounced null and void, vain, empty, useless, not worthy of even remaining in the master's household. Why was the master so harsh? Because this servant did not share his passion. I love the way the message translates this. Look at it with me. Verses 26 through 30 in the message, it's there in your, in your message guide. It's, it reads this way, the master is furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers where at least I would have gotten a little interest. So take the talent, give it to the one who risked the most, and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. Okay, here's the secret, if you hadn't picked up on it yet. Jesus is always after my best. He's after my best. He doesn't want anything less than that. Why? Because he is passionate about you. He's passionate about what he wants to do in your life. He's passionate about what he wants to do collectively in the life of this church, and he's passionate about what he wants to do in his world. So a failure to take risk for Christ is a failure of major proportions because it demonstrates that I do not share his passion. Demonstrates I don't know his heart, number one. I don't share his passion, number two. But there's a third thing here as well. When I'm unwilling to take risks for Jesus, it shows that I do not understand his economy. I do not understand his economy. Verse 29, look at it. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Let me tell you what we think. Okay, here's what we think a lot of the times. We think if we risk ourselves for God, if we risk our time, if we risk our finances, if we risk our relationships, if we risk our comfort and security, if we let go of things that, that made us comfortable, that somehow we're going to come out on the short end of the stick 
We think if we give ourselves away, if we make costly sacrifices, then somehow we're going to find ourselves hanging out on a limb. God's going to come along and cut it off. That's not the way God works. It's not the way He works at all. If God's Word teaches anything at all, church, it teaches that the surest way to lose what we have is to try to hang on to it. The surest way to lose what you have is to try to hang on to it. The secret to blessing, the secret to prosperity, the secret to becoming all that God wants you to become and receiving everything from God that he wants you to receive is to let go of everything. Let go of everything for the sake of his kingdom. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, Simon Peter comes to Jesus. Look at this verse. And he says to him, Lord, behold, we've left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? In other words, Jesus, we've risked it all. And you remember the story? Peter gave up his job, gave up his security, gave up his reputation, his future. Peter said, Jesus, we put all of that on the line to follow you. What's the payoff? See, that's the question we're really asking this morning. Jesus, if we do this, if we risk all that we are and we risk all that we have, what's, what's in it for us? What's the payoff? What's going to happen? What happens to us? <laughs> I think it's highly significant that Jesus did not chastise Peter for his question. There are times in Scripture, if you read and study the life of Peter, there are times in Scripture where Jesus sort of has to take Peter aside and say to him, look, buddy, you got some growing up to do. Okay, and he had to, had to call him out many, many times. But this was not one of those times. Jesus didn't say, you got some nerve, Peter, coming at me with a question like that. What, what are you going to get out of it? No. Jesus actually said, Peter, I'm glad you asked because here's the answer. Look at it, verses 29 and 30. Jesus said, anyone who sacrifices home, family, fields, whatever, because of me, will get it back a hundred times over, not to mention the considerable bonus of eternal life. This is the great reversal. Many of the first ending up last, and the last first. Church, this is God's economy this is God's economy. It's those who risk the most that gain the most. That's the secret. It's only when I risk the most that I will gain the most, both now and in eternity. That's the lesson of Jesus' parable. It's very clear. This is God's economy. And i got to tell you, that's the only economy that counts. And you'll never see the payoff if you play it safe. You'll never see the payoff if all you want to do, day after day, swing on your bar, back and forth. Same old thing, 
over and over again. So here's the question. What is it that God is asking you to do today? How willing are you to risk at some level of your life for the sake of God's kingdom? How willing are you to let go of some things, some priorities, some preferences, the things that make you comfortable? Are you willing to do something you've never done before? Are you willing to let go of something you haven't been willing to let go of before for the sake of His kingdom, for the sake of what He wants to do in the world and in this church? I want to tell you, I had the privilege. Last week I was able to tune in by live stream on Facebook and watch this service and see our college minister and student minister and preschool minister and children's minister up here and talk about the need to reach the next generations. I want to tell you, church, right now, we will not reach the next generations if we keep doing it the way we've been doing it for the last 50 years. Do you hear me? We will not do it. And I am asking you, I am begging you to understand what Jesus is saying in this parable. And we can hang on if we want to. Or we can let go. You see, Jesus really is coming back. Do you believe that? Just like the master in this story. And the thing he's going to want to know is this Did you risk anything? For my kingdom while I've been gone? I can promise you he will not want to hear, I played it safe. I hung on to my perch. Because playing it safe, church, will never get it done. Somewhere in your life, somewhere in your routine, Somewhere in your expression of Christianity, somewhere in the life of this church, God wants you and He wants me to take a risk for Him. Will you? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning for the truth of Your Word. We thank you, Lord, how it stabs us out of our complacency. How it roots us out of our comfortable and predictable expressions of what it means to follow Jesus. And I just believe in this service this morning, there is such incredible potential for the future of what you want to do in this church and 
in this community and in our nation and among the nations. We really do have a choice. We can either just white knuckle hang on to our perches, just keep swinging back and forth. We can let go. We can reach out for your hand. We can allow you to take us into the future that you have for us as your people. Experience individually what you want to do in our lives. Experience collectively what you want to do in the life of our church. Oh God, protect us from the major failure of always playing it safe. And may our community and those around us be able to point to us and say, look at what they're willing to risk for what they believe in. God, we give you these moments this morning. Pray that your Holy Spirit would have the freedom to move and work. We give this commitment time to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to join me in standing. We're going to sing a familiar hymn. It says, take up your cross and follow me. I heard the master say, do you know when Jesus hung on that cross? He took the greatest risk anybody. He he did that with absolutely no guarantee that people would respond to him and accept his sacrifice, but he did it. He hung on that cross for you and me, and because he did that, because he took that risk, you're here today, I'm here today. Now, are you willing to do the same thing for him? Are you willing to take up that cross? Are you willing to give him everything? Hold nothing back with no guarantee for what it might mean for you or no guarantee for what it might mean for me, but for what it might mean for the sake of the people out there and the generations that are to follow. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've just been holding back on that, think, man, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to take that kind of risk, what will happen. Would you come this morning? Would you take that risk so that Christ can do all that He wants to do in your life? Maybe you need to respond at the point of this message. Maybe you need to join this church family. However God may lead you this morning, this is your time to come. As we sing, this altar's open. I'm here to pray with you. Would you come?